Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm excited about another episode of our podcast. We started this podcast about a year and a half ago to highlight local stories of faith in sports um, and also to talk about our mission, which is to share the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and promote unity and racial reconciliation. We're going to talk about that today in the conversation you're going to hear with Coach Bishop. Coach Bishop is currently the head women's basketball coach at Cal Poly Pomona out in California. She's a strong woman of God, married to Walter. They have two kids. Just a powerful testimony of just living out your faith and your calling as a coach and pouring in to the athletes and making them more than basketball players and just shining the light of Christ. I cannot wait for you to hear her story, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach Bishop. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. You bet. So let's start with some background. I know there's probably some listeners that aren't familiar with who you are and your background, so I thought it'd be good if you'd tell us a little bit about yourself and where you grew up, um, your, a little about your family growing up, and then about your family today. Okay. I grew up in Northern California in a town called Manteca and um, was fortunate to um, you know, be raised with a mom and dad that was always supportive of myself and my two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister and um, pretty much anything we did, they always supported and wanted us to succeed and they did their best and they showed us um, just what true hard work was and I think if anybody knew myself and my siblings, that's one thing they would definitely say that, that we all have. And we definitely, um, you know, got that from our parents and, uh, was raised in a Christian home, um, all of our lives. And, um, you know, and I think it's in our lives, we, we may stray. And I think, you know, that seed was planted at a young age in all of us. And I think that's kind of, um, you know, how we, I guess uh, it's it's molded us to who we are today from that seed starting from both our mom and dad and uh, just a loving home, not perfect and in, in any way, but uh, through God's grace, um, I guess we've made it this far, thankfully. That's awesome. Yep. I met my husband when I was 27 and uh, at a little bit later age, and I met him when I was a first year head coach at Azusa Pacific University. And we got married when we were both 30 and had our first child, Marissa. It, I was 33, so a little bit older having kids, but uh, so we have a great <laughs> kid. She's now nine. And my son, Walter the fourth, is now six. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we don't have any family out in Southern California, you know, with Walter's being all his family's in Alabama. All my family is now in, in Texas. Um, so our family is our church family. And that's who we have here that basically helps us uh, get through the grind. Cause um, when I'm in season, I travel and, you know, we, we always joke. We don't really see our, uh, we kind of divorce our friends during the season. Cause we don't really see them. Um, and then when I'm out of season, he tends to travel uh, for work. So um, we're, we're definitely blessed. He has a, supervisor and boss that knows uh when it's season they they they're okay with him not traveling and we're very thankful for that and that's awesome yeah for some reason we've been able to you know make it work and and i think you know that tributes a lot i i don't know i'm sure my husband will listen to this guy don't tell him this all the time but (laughs) he's just a great team player and um and you know i think in order to make this work you have to have that and um i think that's what's really um 
I think just made our family like just, just work daily because our schedules are so crazy and he has no problem being Mr. Mom when he needs to be and, um, and stuff. So, so it's been good. That's very good. So, I mean, you are uh, a head coach now. Did you play a lot of sports growing up? And when did you say basketball is my route? Yeah, we played everything, um, you know, not to age myself, but, you know, I played <laughs> with the boys because there wasn't a girls team at the time. Right. Um, it's just how our parents just had us in everything. Um, my dad coached high school boys basketball. So we would be, uh, games, you know, all the time. Um, just remember, you know, he always, he always jokes. And I still remember this thing behind the bench and just kind of tapping him on the shoulder in the middle of the game saying, well, why did they do that? You know? And I think it probably intrigued me and I really didn't get started playing basketball. Um, cause I played everything, but didn't really get, into it heavily to probably about fifth grade. And I went to a local um, college camp in fifth grade and was the most improved player that year. And by my freshman year in freshman or sophomore year in high school, I was the most valuable player of the camp. Um, so I kind of just took off and thrived after that, just found a love for the game. And I think when you love something, um, you know, you definitely become very passionate about it. But I played, uh, played five sports my senior year in high school. I played volleyball. Oh, wow cross country I played golf one year I played softball I played softball for a long time and was a catcher so um so we kind of did it all you know back then that's what we did <laughs> you played yeah, there wasn't this one sport yeah yeah you played a ton of sports so um so yeah so we we're always involved in that and that that was real important to um to my parents just to keep us involved and I guess not that we were troubled kids but keep us out of trouble and keep us in a, um, you know, team environment and everything that a team brings, you know? Absolutely. So then you, um, you, you're, you're recruited out of high school. You start at Florida, right. And then end up yeah. at Tarleton state here in Texas. So talk about that process of the recruiting and then the journey that led you one place and ended up at Tarleton state. Yeah, I, I always joke with my players now, you know, because they get out there and I try to play with them and uh, I don't have the strength that I used to have. But <laughs> I used to be one of the like California State top scorers. I saw, I used to be really good, you know, and so I went to Florida as a two guard and, um, and chose to go there because I, I wanted to really improve. And I think, um, you know, a lot of players don't always – take that approach when they go to a school, you know, I, I knew I was going in and, um, you know, realistic, I was going to be going and playing behind an all American named Merlakia Jones, um, which I got to guard in practice almost all the time, my freshman, freshman year in college. Um, so I learned a lot from that and, um, helped me grow a lot, but I also had a few injuries there that, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And at the time I didn't know why. And, Long story short, ended up transferring to a junior college for a year and then wound up in, uh, I wanted to go to school. We had some family out in Texas. And so I ended up at Tarleton State um, and finished there and stayed and got my master's degree there and, um, and had a great experience there and still have friends there. My, uh, one of my former uh, teammates is now uh, the, the coach at Tarleton for the women's Okay. Team. So is that... I know you said your, your dad was a coach as well, but when did you decide that that's what you wanted to pursue? Um, and, and, and where did you get started? I wanted to coach, I think from the minute I 
just started getting the passion for it. And I think, you know, back then we didn't have all these video editing systems that everybody has. And and my dad and I would just spend hours and hours just, you know, pressing rewind on that VHS and forward and playing and really just, you know, learning a lot from my, from my dad. He was, uh, you know, real instrumental in my passion and love for the game of basketball. And um, so I kind of always knew, you know, and at the time I didn't understand this, but in fifth grade, I would tell them, oh, I, I want to be a, a coach or I want to go be um, a lawyer. You know, my parents would laugh and I didn't get it. It was like, kind of, you know, you're going from making okay money to probably making a lot of yeah. money. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get that at the time, but those were kind of my two goals. And obviously coaching was huge. And um, so I started as a grad assistant at Charlton State. And okay. then I went and um, was teaching full-time and was an assistant at Delta Junior College, which is where I had in the middle of my transition in college, went there for a year, um, coached with her for a couple years. And then um, one of my high school friends uh, was working at Azusa Pacific University as a sports information director at the time. And uh, they kind of needed somebody. They had, um, long story short, had a coach hired, but took a D1 job, didn't have time to really open up the process. And to be quite honest, it was, you know, all God's timing. Cause I don't know had I put in my resume with no head coaching experience at an earlier time, I would have gotten mm. that position. Um, so they gave me a chance at age 27, first head coaching job at Azusa Pacific. Wow. And I don't know all the records we had, but four 20 win seasons in my first four years there. And um, you know, APU's just down the street from us and, um, still friends with everybody there and holds a, um, definitely, uh, holds a real soft spot in my heart. Every time I talk about that place, just learned a lot from being there. And it's the first Christian environment I've ever worked in. Um, so learned a lot, learned a lot from that. I was still, you know, I was 27 and, um, definitely still growing in my faith and, and things like that. And, um, so it, it was definitely a growing experience for me and, and being around a team, you know, it's one of the, I know we have some questions here on that, but one mm-hmm. of the things that, um, you know, I'm at a, a public institution now where I can't just say, you know, um, you know, Hey Sarah, like let's pray right now. You know, if I, right. you know, it's a little bit different now where it was highly encouraged at the private schools that I worked at and and definitely wanted to do and trying, um, not that I don't try now, but in a different way, you can try in a different way to lead people to Christ a little bit. So, um, so as much as I love working there and, uh, worked at, uh, Cal Baptist as well for a few years, um, we'll talk about that a little bit too. I was actually let go from there. Um, and that's how I ended up getting the job at, um, at Cal Poly Pomona. Oh. And so, yeah. And so I'll talk a little bit about that. That's, that was a huge pivotal uh, part in just my faith and growing. Um, but at Cal Poly Pomona, you know, it, it is a public institution, but you know, we do have Christians on our team. We have believers on our team that, um, want to grow in Christ and want their teammates to grow. And, um, you know, for me, it's always about, um, I have to kind of, I guess you can say, wait to see if I know if they're a believer. And once I know, conversations on, we are good. We can, once I know, um, but if I don't know, you know, I do have to be careful. And, um, um, and so I try to find other ways. And, you know, the biggest way I try to find is I, you know, Jesus loved, and that's the biggest thing that, you know, even I think I struggle with daily because they are college, (laughs) college women and they drive me nuts at times and still trying to give them grace and show them love. So I, I, I try to show through my actions, although I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you I'm perfect because I'm right. close, but I try to show, but just by being a light 
And how can I be a light? How can I be positive? How can I be this uh, without necessarily trying to uh, maybe it's using scripture on them or doing this because, you know, I can't really do that at certain times. So, um, so yeah, so it's been interesting, but I, I, I will say, I think I've, I've grown almost more being in a non-Christian environment. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I still grew a lot in the other places, you know, and, and going back to Cal Baptist, uh, my let, when I left APU, I had the SID that actually helped get me the job at, uh, Azusa had moved on to Cal Baptist and was the sports information director and they were looking for a coach. And obviously I'd shown that, you know, we can, the, the programs I had could be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of basically recruited me to come over there and went over there to, you know, a program that uh, probably wasn't extremely successful, um, but tried to take it over. And um, after, I think I was there for three, four years and um, kind of out of the blue, they let me go. And uh, to this day, it's still probably one of the hardest things I personally have ever had to go through. Um it still don't really know really why, um, you know, and I have some reasons why I think it could be, but probably, right. probably don't want to do right now, but, um, but I will say this, I will say, um, my husband and I, we were going in our faith. Um, we, you know, we had our daughter at the time. Um, we had a great group of friends there and it kind of just hit us and we almost lost our house. Um, I mean, we were, we had a month there where we were hardly even communicating. And I know people probably don't share that a lot, maybe about their marriage, but I right. think it is, is we were in no way ever going to get divorced, but we were, we were struggling just trying to figure this yeah. out. What are we going to do? And, yeah. um, and I think God puts us through those situations some, sometimes uh, to test our faith and to see what we're going to do. And, and it came to a point. So it came to a point where we really just kind of honed in on, um, we were already going to church, but just really, we got involved so much more. And, um, that was kind of where we kind of got everything back on track for mm. our relationship, got, got everything on track to where it should be. It should be that the, our relationship, our marriage, our family should be based on Christ. It can't be based on, uh, what other people and how they're mm-hmm. going to affect us, whether it was them letting us go, letting me go or whatever it might be. And, and my husband's like, you know, it's, it's just a house. If we lose our house, it's just a house. We'll be mm. fine. And, and it took, um, it, it, it was a struggle. And, and so there was about, I think six or seven months, uh, time lapse, um, of just kind of figuring thing, things out. Um, I got to be home with my daughter for a little bit. And as much as I love that, I, um, I definitely knew that I was not a stay at home mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, it was rough. So, um, I applied for the job at Cal Poly and, um, it was an interim job. The, the athletic director called me back and said, well, um, you know, would you be interested in an interim job? And I remember, uh, I'd take my daughter to the beach that day and I called my husband and I said, Hey, Cal Poly called me, but it's an interim, you know, position. I don't, I don't want an interim position. You know, I want to know I have, a, I can't go through this yeah. again. And he was like, you better take that job. <laughs> it's a job. <laughs> um, but long story short, I think, you know, we had got real complacent at, at Cal Baptist and comfortable and we loved it there. And honestly, I don't know if I would have ever left there had it not been for them letting me go for whatever reason. You know, there was no reason ever said before, ever reason. And I think God put us at Cal Poly, you know, for a reason. And, um, and we've been there and it has just been a blessing. And 
it's been a, a growing experience too. It's not, again, I always like to preface that it is not perfect in, mm-hmm. in any way, but it is just a, it's a great place to be. And, um, our family, like our kids, like they love Cal Poly. It feels like that feels like home to them. And, mm. um, and so I've been able to grow and, and, and going back to, um, being at a Christian school and a non-Christian school, we've had players that have accepted Christ while being at Cal Poly. And that's awesome. it's just awesome because, um, you, know, you don't really hear that as, as much. So, um, so it's, it's been, it's been a great thing. And, and I don't want to jump around too much, but just since we're kind of talking about it, I hopefully this is okay, but yeah, uh, you know, we went that whole year and, um, we had a team that I have to show you my shirt for a second. Cause you see my shirt here. Looking at that, I was going to ask you about that. I love it. Yeah, it says all in, and uh, we've had that quote since I've been at Cal Poly, and we had it that first year. And um, so we were interim, and our team uh, had an extremely successful year. We um, won our tied for conference, won the conference tournament, uh, went on, hosted the regional tournament, NCAA regional tournament, won the regional tournament. I mean, it was just phenomenal year went on to the lady and just had a group of young ladies that just completely bought in. And, um, my husband's gonna be mad. I said this, I, he doesn't cry very often. And as we're cutting down the nets at Cal Poly in that regional championship game to go on the lead eight, I look over and I'm just happy. And I still get a little emotional about it now when I'm cutting down the nets and I look down and see my husband just like kind of, wow. and like I said, he doesn't really cry very often, but he saw me at my weakest when I had gotten to go and to see how, uh, just how much we had to grow in our faith to get there. And Cal Poly ended up after we, after we won, you know, give me the position full time, right. uh, just to see this, this transition of just going through all this and, uh, the, you know, he always calls it just the biggest redemption story. And, um, you know, I almost gave up coaching when I, when I got fired and wow, it was, it was rough. Like it was, you know, I loved it, but I almost gave it up. And so it wasn't just because we won. It was because of the experience that these players believed in me and I believed in these players and, uh, you know, and we were all in, we were all in and, uh, yeah. and at home, we were all in and we kept Christ at the center of everything. And so it was a pr- pretty, um, profound year because it was so up and down yeah it's still a year that we still talk about till this day and and I tell my players about it it's part of my testimony I I I tell my players about it and I may not say testimony right but I share that with them um and giving them examples of you know life happens and you know my experience maybe maybe that's not something to them that would affect them maybe it's something else but you know we all have our things that come into our lives that are good and some are bad and how are we going to respond and grow from it? Well, that's, that's a powerful, powerful testimony. I mean, it's a couple of things that just stick out is that yeah, you said it's not, if we're going to go through trials, it's when, and then it's how we handle those. I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago and he reminded me of, um, I think it was, uh, pastor Tony Evans always says, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you know, is when you're going to realize that Jesus is the rock yes. at the bottom. And if, and, if, and if you don't have Jesus as the rock at the bottom, then you're not going to have that redemption story. So that's, that's awesome. And just, it's amazing how, what God will do to get our attention, right? To help us refocus. Totally, totally. And I, and I think going along with your statement, that is so just spot on. And I, and I think, you know, 
I'm not saying I wouldn't have grown or Walter and I wouldn't have grown in our right. marriage um, had that not have happened. But I will say because it happened, we're better for it. And, um, and we're stronger in our faith. And so many things that just from that experience happened, we are better for it because, you know, we had to rely on God. And I tell yep. people all the time, I don't know how people get through um, tough times, you know, and, and that was a tough time for me, but maybe it's a, a death in the family or things like that. Like, I don't know how people get through it because I'm telling you, that's the only way we got through it. Yeah. You talked about the early success there, but I was just looking just um, in the last <laughs> couple of days. I mean, you're having some recent success too there, right? Uh, yes, sir. We're, we're, um, we're doing a lot of, you know, it's just a fun group. And this group we have this year probably has the most, um, the cr- most Christians of any team I've probably had in a while, but they're just fun. They, uh, they love to laugh. They, they love to dance all the time. They love just to have fun. Uh, they hate running. So I've been able to use that as motivation and <laughs> haven't, uh, haven't had to do that in a while, but, uh, you know, we just did that at halftime the other day we gave up 12 points. We weren't playing the greatest, sorry, 12 offensive rebounds in the first half and a team that averages 12 total. Oh, wow. So we went in, I was like, I'm giving you three. They get three more. That's it. Anything over that? Running and uh, so anyways, we, we, they, they somehow figured it out. You know, it was like, they know when they have to do it, you know, so uh, it's a fun group though. And, you know, we have a tough week coming up though. We're playing the, if our regional rankings were out, I would imagine they'd be number one in the region right now, but they're number one in the conference in UC San Diego. And they're always um, just well coached and disciplined. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'll see where we're at, you know, we'll see where we're really at there and we have nothing to lose. So hopefully we go on and have fun with it. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned already where I was going to go next, the spiritual side. I know you've talked a lot about private school versus public school. Um, You've mentioned you have a number of Christians on your team. How does that work? Do y'all have like a a set time? I know some teams have like a, for the lack of better terms, chapel service, some type of devotion, team pregame devotion. Do y'all have somebody to lead those or or how do y'all handle the spiritual side of it? Yeah, we don't have any that I schedule. So when I was at APU, CVU, those were things right. that were obviously scheduled on our team calendar. Absolutely. All yeah, but I know they have them and we have uh, one of our juniors on our team and actually one of our freshmen on our team um, that do kind of lead those. I can't tell you how often they happen. Um, I'm going to guess about every two weeks um, that those happen right now that I, that I hear of. Um, and so, um, you know, they, they try to do the best they can. And, um, and I think trying to manage their time, I think that's the biggest thing is for them getting that time management down. But I know that they do meet and they do, um, you know, usually they try to just from what they've told me, they're not using a book. They're kind of just using different scriptures or something that may have happened in those two weeks that they want to talk about. And how can that be uh, faith-based and things like that's that? Awesome. And, um, and, and, and what I like is they usually do it when in the whole team's there. So even some of our, you know, non-Christians that are there, they do it and our non-Christians are great with it, you know? That's and, awesome. Um, so yeah, so it's a little, it's a little tricky. And, and so we talk about it a little bit. Um, but again, I only ask so much and how much I can, um, how much they give me, give back to me, you know, cause I do know that they do do it. And so it's kind of their thing right now. Um, and so I, you know, I, I love it. I love that they're at least trying and, um, you know, especially in the world we live in right now, I think, um, you know, any, anything they're trying to do to try to be a light is pretty, pretty encouraging. 
Yeah, I think it's awesome that it's led by student athletes. I know some of my friends or coaches, I mean, they have somebody coming from the outside and do like a pregame devotional or some type of chapel service. So I think having an athlete led is, is pretty incredible. Um, it may not be the same substance if it's somebody else, but, you know, you mentioned learning time management. I just think it, it helps them grow as leaders as well. I think it will have a greater impact on those that are non-Christians as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. So I think you've, you've hit on the next couple. I was just going to talk a little bit about your career. Uh, you know, maybe what would you say is your greatest accomplishment so far? For one greatest memory that stands out. <laughs> I got to go back and look. Cause I, I know I had a couple here. Um, let's see. I was going to guess the cutting down the nets, but hey. <laughs> that, that was one of them. That was one of them. Um, believe it or not, it was probably, I have to go back. I want to say it's probably been about four years ago. And um, we started off 0-7. Um, and, mm. and um, as a coach, I mean, I'm, I hate to lose more than I like to win. And um, I didn't know what to do. I was stressed. Uh, I'd never even as a, as a player had ever started off 0-7. Um, and here I am sitting there and I'm, you know, and I think initially I, I, we were probably 0-3 and, and I'm, uh, come on team and on them and uh, in their face and, um, you know, kind of more on them. And um, it's, it's funny and it's interesting because I, my, my brother-in-law ended up passing away right before Christmas around December 18th. And here we were around 0 and 17. And, um, and even though my brother-in-law and I weren't maybe the closest, he's still my brother-in-law and, um, more importantly, it affected my sister and affected my, um, my three niece, uh, two nephews and my niece. And, um, you know, I'm one of those people, I think I'm a pretty strong person and, um, I can, can go to work and I can, might have stuff going on and I can fake it and go in and do what I need to do. And I've always been like that, but there was something about this experience that, um, I mean, I, I went into work and, um, I, you know, still think about it. We were 0 and 7 at the time and these players knew, uh, what had happened. They knew Mm. what was going on. And, um, and I remember just kept thinking about, just the process. And I know that sounds so cliche uh, right. sometimes when people use that term, but uh, I kept thinking, okay, well, our team might be a little bit down. I think we got down to like eight players um, for whatever reason. And, and I kept thinking, okay, well, if I take out winning out of the equation, what, what is my primary, like, why, why do I do what I do? I, I know mm. why I do what I do. I, I want to coach because I want to invest in my players' lives. I want to, if I'm able to help be a light and uh, mm-hmm. lead Christ and do all these things. And, and here we're Oh, and seven and got this tough situation going on in my life. And, and I'm like, I'm not helping, I'm not helping them grow at all. That's all mm. I can see was I'm not doing absolutely anything. I'm not all in, I'm not helping them grow. And all I was concerned about before this incident with my brother-in-law was, Oh, we got to win. We got to win. Like, what, mm. what do I need to do? What do I need to change? And, um, and my focus wasn't where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think when I changed that focus, um, and you know, unfortunately it happened through, you know, a death in the family. And, um, you know, I, I had to, I had to take a big hard look back and go, 
Um, you know, what, what, what is my primary reason? What am I trying to do here? And, um, and my players, like, I, I still think about that. And, and when you ask what's one of my greatest memories, it, it was that year we were Oh, and seven. Wow. And I can go, you know, we end up finishing and winning six of nine games, uh, there at the end. Um, but again, it wasn't until, um, you know, I had to take a look back and, and go, okay, my primary reason is to be here for these young women and how am I going to help them grow? And through that also, you know, on the side, how am I going to be there for my nieces and nephews and uh, help them through this process? And, um, you know, I always tell them, and I still have a couple of those players on my team now. I have three, uh, two on the team that I coach and one that's helping us coach uh, as a grad assistant. And I still tell them that was my best year ever. Um, they, mm. they actually helped me as a person. And yeah. It, it, it's really hard to explain because I think sometimes as, as coaches, um, I think sometimes we think, hey, we know better than them. You know, we know mm. better than our student athletes. Um, we don't need them. And I think during that time where I was struggling, I needed as much as I always try to love on them when they're going through hard times and be the mom to them, be the um, therapist to them and do all this, like their coach needed that. And yeah. I, I get, I, I, sorry, I get emotional, but I still get emotional about it because they were there for me and they came and they just hugged me and loved on That's me. Awesome. Um, they, they allowed me to coach them in a different way. And, and we just started having fun. We just started having fun. And I changed my focus from winning to um, just trying to like, I guess, I don't know if winning their souls even more so than ever. Cause I just felt like, what am I going to do to help them grow? And, um, yeah. that experience. So I, I know maybe that wasn't an accomplishment, um, but it still stands out as one of my best memories ever. And, um, probably the next was a redemption year. We were cutting down the nets. Um, but it, it's, it's been, like I said, I've grown so much at Cal Poly and these are two experiences that have just happened wow. at Cal Poly. That's amazing. You know, it is funny, not funny, um, interesting how God uses a lot of times a loss like that to refocus it. I'm not in the coaching field, but um, I lost my dad unexpectedly 2014. And I went through this several months of kind of recalibrating what's my purpose in life. Why, why am I doing what I'm doing every day? Whether it's as a husband, as a dad at work, um, in the church and outreach and it's, you know, how God uses losing someone, a loved one to kind of recalibrate your focus. And it's true. Um, I look back and I mean, I miss him every day, but I look back the last four and a half years has probably been some of the better years, which is kind of people that haven't been through that. Don't, don't understand that and go, how can you say they've been really good years when you miss somebody, but how God has used that to really, redeem the time and everything. So I, 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 I get a glimpse of what you're saying. Absolutely. So um, is there anything else you would like to add to maybe the greatest disappointment in your career? I think you talked a little bit about that um, with uh, losing the one job and then now to where you are, but is there anything else as far as like biggest disappointment or challenge? Um, I mean, I think that's probably been, that's probably been the biggest thing and, you know, the biggest thing that's like probably affected our entire family, but I would say just daily, it's a, it's a challenge daily. I think, I don't know if you get this a lot from, I was trying to go back and listen to some of the podcasts and mm -hmm. familiar with your podcast a little bit. And, um, 
I'm in no way compared to a pastor, so I don't right. want to come across. I'm saying that my, my point to it is, is I think a lot, a lot of times coaches don't um, just like pastors don't always get the support and encouragement all the time on a daily basis that they need um, um, because, you know, they're, they're humans too. And, and they need a lot of, um, they just need, like, they may not appear as if they need people, um, to encourage them and help lift them up, you know, cause Hey, they're, they're the pastor. They should always be lifted up. And Oh yeah. They're yeah. Yeah. That, and that's not always the case. And, um, and I think that goes a lot with coaches too. Um, mm. so I, when I say it's a daily struggle, it's because, you know, I don't have my athletic director knocking on my door every day saying, Hey, great job. You know, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that. And, or whoever it might be, people aren't, aren't knocking down all of our doors all the time, uh, giving us feedback. And I, and I say that to say that, um, it's a daily struggle, but I think that's also is, um, like, where are we finding, um, like, where am I finding my strength? My strength isn't coming from, strength isn't coming from my athletic director. My strength right. isn't coming from my players telling me, oh, you're the best coach in the world because people are going to let us down and people are going to hurt us. But when we have that rock that you were talking about earlier, always there, we can always know that we can stand in Christ and know that Christ is always going to have our back. And I think that's like one of the uh, biggest things that is a daily struggle. I know that. But it's still every day gets in your head sometimes. And I'm oh, yeah. trying to stay in the word and do these things. Like we have to do this because it is so easy to let the negativity, you know, um, you know, we're not um, always the most popular people. We have to make tough decisions. You know, I got players, not all my players play, yeah. um, you know, so I don't know. I'm, I think they all love me and I think they all like me. And I think my parents all love me. Um, but they could be saying things that, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I have to remember that I have tough decisions to make. Um, and I think that I have to do what I think is best for our program. And what that means, if I'm not staying solid in my faith and I'm going to be in trouble, you know, and I always know in the days I get, like last week, I was all worried we're going to play a team that hadn't won a game all year. And I was so worried about that game because, you know, those are the teams that are going to come out. Yeah, look out, yeah. And my neck started getting all, like, sore for, like, four or five days. And, um, you know, the team played us tight the first time. And, and I knew it by, like, day three. I'm like, man, I haven't been in the word. Like, I'm all stressed about this stuff. And um, so it was just a reminder for me that it, it is a daily struggle for me um, that I wish I could say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I do this every single day. I try to. And most days I can't accomplish it. Um, but it is a struggle for me. And I, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you, liken it to pastors. I mean, as a leader, as a head coach, you're carrying the burdens, not just yours, but of your staff, your players. And yes. in some cases you mentioned parents. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot to carry. So everybody's looking to you for that and forgetting that, Hey, you might need a little bit of encouragement and lifting up as well. That's good. Um, I'm going to transition a little bit. So in the intro, I mentioned our mission statement. I'll read it again and then ask a question related to it. Um, we, our organization in 2015 in Selma, Alabama, started with, with this mission to, that we exist all in sports outreach to share the hope and the power of the gospel, number one, but also promote unity 
and racial reconciliation. We add the second piece in there, the unity and racial reconciliation, because we believe that very few things can unite people, whether it's a community, a team, or whatever, than sports. I mean, no matter what the sport, people put aside social economics, uh, race, gender, just put that aside and come together. So as a coach, how have you seen that um, maybe, or even as a player where you were with, you had teammates that didn't look like you, didn't come from the same places as you, but how'd you see sports kind of bridge that gap? And I was talking with my husband about um, this question just so I could make sure I was saying things the correct way. My husband happens to be African-American. So we were talking about this and, you know, the biggest thing I told him when he first asked me, he's like, well, what do you think? And I said, well, sports doesn't see color. Mm. I I said, there's no, there's no color. And and I think it's also a little easier for me to say I grew up in California. Okay. My, my parents have always taught us, you know, I still remember we joke with my mom still to this day. She's, she used to always say, I don't care if they're pink, yellow or red with polka dots. You know, that was always her, big, big thing she would say. And so, um, as a child, we never saw color. Mm. And so I think it's easier for me to sit here and say, well, sports doesn't see color. Um, but I do think it's, it is somewhat true. I think regardless of what part of the country you're in, when, um, you know, maybe we'll just use the South for an example, you're in the South and go to some football game. Everybody in the stands, regardless of their color is going to be cheering for their team. That's right. Um, and so I, I think, I think that's, um, uh, you know, an important aspect of, of sport. And I think, um, it teaches people while you're on the, you know, while you're, while you're in it. Um, I think, you know, as part of our mission statement too, on our team mission statement is to accept people for who they are and where they've come from. Um, and that's hard to do sometimes. And even in Southern California, you know, where, right. I mean, I can tell you all the ethnicities you walk outside my front door right now. I mean, my kids, like, no, my kids don't know color. But I think even bigger than color is all of our differences that we have. And that's being right. able to accept, uh, accept that. And I think that's one thing for players on my team. Um, you know, when I was at the private schools, I would always, especially my first job at APU, I went in and the te- team was predominantly all white. One African-American girl on our team. And so I would be trying to recruit um, players they just that happened to be african-american recruit them and um and i and i couldn't get them for sure and and i'm like what like why can't i you know recruit players and i think Mm -hmm. we eventually did and our team became extremely diverse there and it just took uh being strategic like i would bring them on the days that it was um you know the multicultural day or whatever it was we could see more people that were like them you know, look like them or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And, and I think like, that's the thing at like Cal Poly is it's one of the most diverse places. Our team is, I mean, I have African-Americans on our team. I have Hispanic, I have Filipino young lady, I have, um, Caucasian. I mean, we are extremely diverse. And I think when we, when they, they come in and they see, Oh, Hey, okay. I see people like myself. I think it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable but we still all have, have all these differences and how are we going to accept those? You know, we have people on our team of different sexual orientation. We have, um, people on our team. I wrote down just different things here, um, different face, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Exactly. And that's a huge thing. Um, 
you know, that, that's a huge thing. This is a socioeconomic background. And how are we going to be able to still see eye to eye with things? And, um, and, and, you know, and I think it, it comes down to, um, you know, I think everything, I always say this comes down to building relationships. That's right. And that's something that, you know, Jesus did. Jesus built relationships. And I think regardless, whether it's in your family, it's in your job, it's at church, it's on a team, the better we build a relationship, the more I can understand your socioeconomic background. I understand your culture and where you came from. I can understand uh, maybe your sexual orientation. I can understand all these things better where at least we may not agree on everything, but we can come to an understanding. And um, I think that's super important within a team and what it's able, what, what teams are able to teach and what you're able to learn. Uh, it's going to help you with so many other things uh, later on in life. And um, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful and it's pretty amazing. And, um, you know, I think in any part of the country you're in, just, just being a part of a team and how diverse they are. Well, I, I talked about my oldest, he's a freshman in high school now, uh, loves sports, um, plays football. I tell him all the time that the football team is a picture of, of real life. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, when you get a job, no matter what career you choose, you're going to be with people that you don't like people that are different from you, but you have to put those differences aside to accomplish a job, a mission. And so it doesn't, it's not just football or basketball. Sports to me is a beautiful picture of life. And, and even to some extent, the overall church, you know, if the church could function the same way we'd say sports should, then we wouldn't have a lot of the same problems in culture that we all complain about. Right. (laughs) Oh, that is such a great statement. I love it. It's so true. Yeah. That's one of my, I don't know, pet peeves, if you will, is that <laughs> the church should be setting the example, not other areas of, of life. But I think we've kind of got it mixed up a little bit. But that's a whole other conversation. Whole nother, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. So I want to ask you this. You've mentioned even at the college level, private school versus public and the differences um, in being able to be open to your faith. And a lot of people that listen to this are student athletes and coaches, middle school, high school, even, you know, in, in college. And, and it is, you, you've acknowledged it. Um, I know it as a parent, this is not the easiest time for a Christian to be bold, um, whether it is a, as an athlete or a coach. So what advice would you offer that athlete or that coach that's listening that um, recognizes athletics as a platform can be used for good or bad. And they want to use it to, 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 to bring others to Christ and be that light. So how would you encourage them to do that? So I wrote down a couple things I wouldn't forget, but um, the first thing I wrote was always do the right thing. Whether you are in a public or private institution, just do the right thing. I mean, you can have all these rules. You can have all these things that you want, but at the end of the day, we know what's right from wrong. And if we just do the right thing, that right there, number one thing is going to set an example to people. Um, I wrote work hard. Mm. We always should be working hard. And um, uh, regardless of what position we're in, uh, people recognize that and they acknowledge that. And they're going to under, they're going to see that you're different just from your work ethic. Um, and then trust God's plan. That is so cliche and it is so hard to do. And I can sit here and say, trust God's plan, trust God's plan. Um, but it is hard. And I think, I think knowing that it's not going to be easy, it's going to be like I spoke about early, it's going to be a daily struggle. 
Um, right. God's plan's not always the plan we want. <laughs> and well, that's you know, true. <laughs> yeah, and I had to learn that the hard way. Um, but I think always trust it and know that um, there's always there's always something you're going to learn from it at the end of it. And, and and oftentimes we look back and now I use it as my testimony or whatever it might be. Um, but trust the plan. And then I, the last thing I wrote, you know, for me, I, I, my biggest thing is be a light, be a light. And I think that's the thing, like with my coworkers, um, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't sit in there and we're, you know, I work in an athletic department, predominantly men. A lot of them aren't believers. You can mm-hmm. imagine what conversation could oh, be like. Yeah. And I will say this, they all know that I'm different. Uh, when I'm around, they're usually trying not to cuss because they know that I don't. Um, that's something I don't do. And, but they know that about me. I don't go in and I don't quote scripture to them, but I can go in and I can encourage them. That's my big thing. I go in, I encourage all of our head coaches as often as I can. I text them after games. Hey, you're doing a great job. Um, I try to find my ways to be able to be a light. And I think whether you're a believer or a not believer, you can still be a light any day. And I have one last thing is um, this quote. I'm big on quotes. You may see that on my Twitter. Anybody's yeah. listening? Follow I me. I love quotes. I'm a big quote person. So <laughs> Yes, I do. We actually do quotes a day for our team and they have to memorize them. And when I was at the private schools, we used to do scriptures and quotes. Um, so people don't know how much you care. Sorry. People don't care how much you know until yep. they know how much you care. That's right. And with that, I just wrote like, just love. Um, and I have a lot of shirts. I, I was debating, do I wear my shirt that says love today or my shirt that says all in today? <laughs> love is the biggest thing that we can do. And especially in this crazy, you know, the way our world is right now, United States, um, we need to love people. And I think, when you love people, um, even the people that you may not care about, care for the most, and you can somehow show them love, that would be my advice. You don't have to preach. You don't have to, you don't have to give them scripture. You don't have to do all that. If you just love them and show love and show that you accept them, you'd be amazed at what that will do for people. That's right. Yeah, I think that is one of the most understated things in today's culture is that we get we're so focused on being right versus love and if i can not agree with someone would still love them but instead um i got i get a monday morning devotional from from a guy and today his was we need to replace outrage with outreach because we as christians they say if you open up social media any day any hour of any day, you're going to see more outrage than love and outreach because we're so focused on, as Christians, we have to be right. And we just go into this rage and versus trying to understand other people and loving them and finding out how can we come alongside them and love them and show them the truth versus telling them you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. That's good. I, mean, I love that. I wrote that down. Love all. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, so that's great. I need to get whoever's devotions that are sending. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So is there a, you know, some people have a, like a life verse or favorite scripture. Is there one that you would share or maybe one that God has shown you recently uh, that you would share with us? Yeah, I I actually have two. Um, 
one I've always had just since I was young is Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ yep. who strengthens me. And although I've always had that, I think I grasped on that the most my freshman year uh, at University of Florida and I was away from home. And, um, you know, I just remember still, um, you know, things weren't necessarily going my way and uh, with injuries and whatnot. And that was just a scripture I really leaned on um, and I've always leaned on. And I know it's a popular one, but um, no, it, yeah, it's powerful the truth and it's powerful absolutely and the other one is just the romans 12 2 is not conforming to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will and i think that's in our world today is um you know and it's a struggle for me too like as christians we've got to find our own unique way to not just fit in mm. people have to know that people have to know we're different. And I think that scripture just speaks so much truth um, to me, particularly being in a public school, doing what I do. It is real easy for me just to like, just fit in. And, mm. um, you know, whatever it may be, maybe getting in the, the gossip, getting in the conversations uh, about things at work or whatever it might be. And, and, um, and just finding like what, what makes me different and transforming my mind to what God wants instead of just being like everybody else in this world. And, um, and so that, that speaks a lot to me just in this day and age, because I think a lot of Christians do that or go to church, um, you know, and then all of a sudden they get into their weekly work life and they're just, they're just the next average person right there. And there's nothing that separates them and makes them different. Um, And I think that's important. And I think it's important for us to be able to speak up about that. Yeah. So a lot of times, or most of these, when I, when I record these podcasts and the conversations, I, I'm always jotting down notes. So I'm sitting here as we wrap up. And I think the common theme I've taken from this conversation, I, I've got two words I wrote down. That's light and love. Like I heard you say a lot, be a light, be a light and love, love, love. That's good. I appreciate that. And I struggle with that. So I have to tell myself that and get in the word because it is not easy. No. So, and I'm sure my players will tell you that too. I mean, because I am. (laughs) But sometimes, you know, you can love people with discipline, right? That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what my parents always told me anyway. It's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, but you're right. No, you can. It's uh, I tell my kids all the time that discipline is love. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't care. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the same thing as we're trying to be a light um, for Christ is if we didn't love our neighbors, we wouldn't care. Yep. You know, so that's, that's good. That's good. Hey, I know you're busy, so I appreciate your time. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah, you this bet. So... I feel honored that uh, for whatever reason you chose me. So thank you so much. And awesome. I'm sure I, I told my husband, I was like, he doesn't even know some of the stuff he's going to get today. So <laughs> no, it was good. I enjoyed it. Like I said, I've got a page full of notes. I think it's great. Well, I appreciate you. it. You bet. Wow. What an incredible testimony you heard from coach Bishop. I, I hope you got a glimpse of her fire, her desire to, to serve Jesus, number one, to love her husband, love her family, to be the best basketball coach out there. I hope you could hear that in, in the conversation because I know just in talking to her, I was so encouraged. There's so many takeaways, but what stands out to me is just the encouragement that when we hit rock bottom, as she did when she lost 
the job that she was perfectly content in. She loses the job in months of of searching and not knowing if they're going to lose their house, what that means, but how she and her husband just turned to Jesus for the answer. And with that, it brought them closer together as a couple. It solidified the foundation for their family, that their family as a couple and as parents, they're going to be rooted and grounded in their faith in Jesus. And that was number one. And once they started that that perspective that they're going to just follow Jesus, they're going to seek Jesus through all of this, she gets a job as an interim coach, has an incredible year. God redeems that that low spot into a lot of success. And then now as the permanent head coach and has been for several years now, just a, just a powerful testimony. And, and also um, I wrote down two words from our conversation um, in all caps. I circled it as a reminder to me that these two words, if I focus on these two words every day, my life will be different, and those around me will see Jesus, and it's love and light. We're to love everybody. We're not to always try to be right and condemn and, and get in, always focused on outrage. We're just to love people. If we love God and we love others, that's what draws people to Jesus, and, and with that, then we are a light. We're letting our light shine. And, and she encouraged us to just always, no matter what you're doing in your career, um, or as an athlete, as a student, is to always do the right thing. Always work hard, trust His plan, just be a light. If we do those things, if we're always doing the right thing, people are going to notice that and go, he or she always does the right thing. Why? And their work ethic is the best. And we're trusting His plan that we're going to be a light when we're doing that. And also, the importance of this heart transformation when we're following Christ and it transforms our mind and it changes us from the inside out. And when that happens, it goes back to this love and light. So the theme of this entire conversation, if you go back and listen to it again and again and again, it comes back to love and light, loving everybody and being a light. So huge shout out again to Coach Bishop. I, I know I was really encouraged by the conversation, um, just excited for you to hear it. I hope you were as encouraged as I have been in getting to know her, just this little glimpse that you got into her testimony of what it means to live unashamed. It doesn't mean everything's gonna be great. It doesn't mean everything's gonna be perfect. There's not gonna be trials, but it means that God, it's being available and allowing God to use us where we are. So thank you again to Coach Bishop. Thank you for listening. Please share this episode with family and friends. There's a lot of people that need to hear this story. There's a lot of people that need to hear a testimony of what it means to hit rock bottom and look up to Jesus and make that our priority. So continue to share it. Continue to encourage others to listen. Also, go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. There you can find out who we are, what we do, why we do it. Same thing on our Facebook page. Just type in All In Sports Outreach find out opportunities to pray for us, serve with us, and to give. And the last thing, if you were as encouraged as I have been by this episode, leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing the gospel through media. Thank you, and we appreciate each one of you for taking the time to listen.